Hey everybody, and welcome back to your lunch break with Kyle. Uh, today I have a very special guest. It's a friend of mine who is currently getting his doctor's degree, right? Currently? Yes. Currently. Um, and uh, so just some questions I usually bombard him with, and I'm sure you guys have questions as well. So, yeah, so kind of how we first met each other. Um, I moved in the middle of the fifth grade, but we didn't really start talking until, like, like middle school, probably at church. Uh, yeah. How old? What grade are you when you were about eleven? I think you started hanging out. Yeah, like like seventh grade, right? Eighth grade. Yeah. Something like that. And then freshman year is when we really start hanging out more because at lunch I'd come over and hang out with you guys. That's true. So I'm I'm excited to be back with lunch on Kyle or lunch with Kyle. Yes, or- lunch break. Lunch break. That's what I want to say. Lunch it's break called with lunch Kyle. break Send because lunch break I usually record these on my lunch break. <laughs> and I, I, I missed that. I mean, we never recorded them before. We probably should have. Yeah, no, cooler. that would have been really funny. Yeah. We were cooler back then. We were way cooler back then. I actually, you know, what's really funny. I actually found the Mount Windy DVD slideshow. Um, I actually got that the other day, and I watched it, and I, I'm like, wow, we were. So incredibly tiny and skinny. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know there was a slideshow. That's yeah, cool. there's a slideshow that um um, well crap, Brother Manning's daughter put together. What's her name again? I forgot what her name is. Jacob's sister. Which one? I don't know. I don't know. I don't remember. Anyway, it was just funny because we. I just I remember thinking that we were that certain people were bigger than they actually were. Like I always thought Jeremy was like and Jordan were like super ripped. And then looking at them on the slideshow, I'm like, no, we were all just so tiny. <laughs> just these tiny little humans traversing up the mountain. Barely surviving off of MREs. But we made it. We made it. We did make it up to the top. So I have video evidence of it and pictures. That's true. And there's also, there's an odd number of pictures of Brent Gonda um, peeing. It's always the oh, backside. But That's about the only thing he ever did. There's probably like 10 pictures of him, of his backside, just facing a rock <laughs> or yep, off yep. a cliff. That's most of what I remember of him, too. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Uh, okay, so let's let's jump right in. Um, so talk about where you went to school. I mean, not high school, but after high school. And then kind of what you're currently doing and maybe what kind of, what kind of focus of studies you kind of honed in on. Sure. So uh, I did my undergraduate at BYU, and I graduated in biochemistry and got really into research while I was there, enjoyed the research process a lot. Um, But while I was there, I got in a lab. It was a great lab, had a fantastic experience. We studied insect evolution. Mm. Um, And like I said, I had a great experience. It was a great lab. I still keep in touch with them. but I kind of realized I didn't want to study insects my entire life. Um, That's fair. And so I started exploring some other avenues of research, and I got really into the ideas of uh, medicine and and human research, and I wanted research that I felt like was applicable to um, human disease. And I also uh, took a physiology class around that time and started to get really into immunology, took an immunology class as well. Mm Mm-hmm. So I, I just I found it really fascinating. So I applied and, and was fortunate to get into the MD-PhD program at Texas A&M. So it's a, a dual degree, 
and I finished two years of med school. Um, I hardly remember any of it, but nice. Um, and now I am in the middle of my PhD studying immunology. I found a, a lab. Uh, we're here in Houston. And we study immunology in the context of transplant. So is the, is the lab part of the school? As, say that again? Is the lab part of the school? So generally, yes. Okay. But Texas A&M has kind of some interesting affiliations. So we are associated with Houston Methodist in the Texas Medical Center. Okay. It's the largest medical complex in the world and Houston Methodist is one of the kind of leading hospitals in that in this group here of hospitals that make up the center Mm -hmm. and they have a research center Uh, and so the lab that I am in is part of Houston Methodist and is just affiliated with Texas A&M such that students of Texas A&M like myself can work in their lab oh okay gotcha so, but yeah, there's a lot of other labs on uh, Texas A&M campus and College Station, and and most labs at universities are directly owned by the respective university. Uh, I'm in kind of a unique situation. Okay, gotcha. Now, did you did you always know that you were gonna go this route? I mean, I feel like when we talked about before. It was always just you were gonna go and figure it out. That's and that's kind of what it was. Okay. I, I liked science a lot, um, so I started taking biochemistry classes, but I really didn't know what I wanted to do with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't until I got in that research group I, I found that I really enjoyed research. Um, but okay. I, uh, as I said, I, I also learned I wanted to do something more human related. So I hadn't even really considered medical school until I'd kind of decided on research, and that's part of why I landed on the MD PhD route because I. Uh, want to not just be practicing medicine, but doing research as well. Wait, so does this mean the dual degree you'll be an MD and a PhD? Correct, yes. Would, would you be doctor, doctor? No, please, <laughs> please just call me Preston. <laughs> doctor. <laughs> that was so funny, though. <laughs> doctor, Dr. Arnold. Okay. Um, and so when, what, what, what currently are you doing in the lab with your other um, lab mates? Yeah, so we study all kinds of immunology questions, and uh, there's a lot of different projects going on in the lab. Yeah. Uh, Transplant makes a really nice model for immunology. It was one of the earliest immunology models because they realized if they transplanted tissue um, from one person to another, it it was rejected, and that's part of where they started to understand the immune system at a better level of what was going on there. Oh, okay, so, so use, like like certain blood types or like organs, they would reject in the other one. Yeah, so that's that's how a lot of that got figured out, and mm-hmm. the immunology behind it that guides it was figured out through transplantation. Okay, um, and it's still a big field, and it's it's a great model for immunology. Uh, we use a lot of mouse models, so we have mice that are knocked out for various genes that are important to different cells in the immune system and then we can take tissues from one and put them in the other and see how the immune system functions without that gene mm-hmm. or whatever we want to do um so there's a lot of cool experiments we can run my my particular project is looking um with t-cells which um you or some of your listeners may have heard of uh, t-cells are i would describe them as kind of the generals of the immune system they 
are related to B cells, which mm-hmm. produce your antibodies in that T cells like B cells and antibodies can recognize specific antigens and proteins and things. Okay. But rather than produce antibodies, T cells um, kind of organize the rest of the immune system to attack a specific antigen. And uh, they also have effector functions. They can go and kill uh, cells that are infected with viruses that are, are expressing virus proteins and other things. Um, okay. And, and so really they, they play a critical role in recognizing you know, foreign things and activating your immune system. People that have defects in, in T cells don't have strong immune systems. In fact, that's exactly what HIV does, is it targets and kills your T cells. Oh, it kills the general your immune then. system crashes. Okay. Um, so they're, they're really critical um, uh-huh. cells to the immune system. And in particular, there's, they kind of, uh, there's two different sets, as it were. There are effector T cells, which do what you might think of an immune system normally do, go find the bad things and kill it. Yeah. And then there are regulatory T cells, which actually help turn off the immune system. So it's kind of like a break in an accelerator. Mm -hmm. And I am studying um, the interaction of a a couple of proteins that um, help control that switch when a a T cell is is activated, if it's going to become an effector or a regulatory cell. Right, because if the immune if the immune system doesn't turn off, your body your body right. would run itself into the ground, right? Right, and so that brings up one of the really important things of the immune system. That I think we'll talk about a little bit more is the immune system is all about balance. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you have too much accelerator, too much effector function, you get diseases like autoimmunity. Uh, you get diseases like allergy um, and asthma. Those are all diseases of the immune system and you've got kind of too much effector function or effector function against the wrong things Mm -hmm. on on the flip side uh if you're um there are other diseases like infectious diseases on everyone's mind these days um or also cancer Uh, the immune system can actually is very powerful in killing cancers and a lot of the current cancer therapy revolves around activating the immune system against the cancer. And cancers actually recruit regulatory T cells and uh, employ a lot of other of those kind of break methods to protect themselves against the immune system. Oh, interesting. Um, and in, so a lot of cancer therapies right now are, are working on taking those breaks off. And um, but interestingly, one of the most common side effects of those therapies is autoimmune diseases um, because you kind of take the break off the other spots as well and overactivate it, and then you got autoimmune diseases. Jesus. So the immune system is all about okay. balance. Yeah. Um, and T cells play a really important role in that because they can be either effector or regulatory. And I'm, I'm studying some proteins that help kind of control that, that switch or that decision. Now, what about, sorry, this is kind of um, the question I just thought of. You always, you always hear that um, if, like, kids eating dirt, like, oh, they'll have a, tr- a stronger immune system. <laughs> um, you know, if they're more exposed to other bacteria or viruses. I mean, is that is that true, that if you're more exposed to more bacteria, you have a stronger immune system when you're older? So uh, that all depends on what you mean by stronger. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, so one of the things you're referring to is called the hygiene hypothesis. And where this actually comes into play a little bit is in allergy. Um, that 
um, children who are not exposed to enough um, antigens, other other things in the environment at a young age, um, are actually of higher incidence for allergy later on, suggesting that um, their immune system then inappropriately recognizes some of those and activates. Them. So, like, so, for for example, a peanut. Mm-hmm. So, like, I know when uh, our kids were growing up, we kind of gave them a little bit of peanut at a time, not a whole lot at a time, because they can... What exactly is happening there, I guess? <laughs> uh, I'm not sure if I can answer that exactly. Okay. Um, but I, I do know there's... It's probably a similar mechanism when someone gets an allergy shot. They start them with a very low dose of the antigen and, and, and grow it. Um and um, I, I'm not sure I can answer the exact mechanism of how that happens, mm-hmm. uh, but there's okay. a couple of different because I haven't researched exactly those therapies or all the science behind them. Right. No, there, there's, a, there's a lot shooting, there. Shooting from my hip, as it were. Um, part of it may be when you overexpose the immune system to an antigen or expose it for a long period of time, mm-hmm. um, the cells, particularly the T cells, can enter a state called exhaustion where they they're still there but they kind of stop responding to it oh okay um so it may be partially that there may be something about the timing um and and i i don't know if this is true per se but but there may be something with um the immune system in, in younger children being more tolerogenic because they're exposed to so many novel antigens right um, the immune system is also very, very tightly linked with the gut because you've got a lot of bacteria and other things that are really good for you that live in the gut. Mm-hmm. Um, and you need to keep your immune system from destroying those and being chronically activated against those. And so there's a lot of regulatory T cells down in your gut. Um, and that early exposure may have something to do with your um, kind of building a good gut microbiota and establishing a good repertoire of tolerance to different antigens and things. Um, well, that's interesting. I, I'm yeah. not 100% sure on all those. And those are just kind of uh, random thoughts. But, right. Yeah, but, I got yeah, you. It, it's, it's all about balance. So when you say it makes your immune system stronger, uh, I don't know if that's always the right word so much as it just maybe um, conditions it um, better to a wider variety of, of antigens. Right. Okay, because so if someone says stronger, that doesn't mean necessarily mean that they have more T cells per se, right? Not necessarily. Um, it's okay. about the the variety of different things their immune system can recognize and how it responds to them. Uh huh. Um, okay. Gotcha. And and again, stronger is not always better. Um, ask someone with an autoimmune disease how how much they like having an immune system that's constantly active. Right. Um, it's, it's not good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's really strong, which is bad. <laughs> right, right. It's okay. All, so it's all about that balance. Well, that kind of segues into um, people always ask, how can I, you know, boost my immune system? Right. There's always these things where, like, I've heard, you know, oh, ninety percent of the population is vitamin D deficient, or you know, the pirates had to eat, you know, vitamin C, or just for vitamin C for their immune system or stuff like that. So, you know, yeah. what in general can someone do to boost their, boost their immune system? I mean, there's a good balance probably with, um, you know, diet and exercise, but also certain vitamins they could take. I mean, I know each person's going to be different, but, but what maybe is are, are some general type stuff? 
Yeah, and I'll say most of the time, it's what you're seeing is just marketing. Oh, okay. Um, it's it's just marketing more than anything. What again? It comes to balance, and and so it, it depends on the person and their needs. And I'm not a nutritionist um, or or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say. You know, if you take care of your body, it will take care of you. And that's true for the immune system as well. So I think just diversity is really important. Okay. Um, Like a balanced diet. um, And, you know, it's it's important to be, um, you know, clean to a degree, particularly these these days. You know, you want to be washing your hands as as during a pandemic and whatnot. But um, you don't have to be afraid of dirt or whatever, right? Like, Mm -hmm. uh, or you know, cause it fell on the floor. It's dirty. Don't eat it or whatever. Like, um, go ahead and, you know, let your immune system be exposed to a lot of things. <laughs> you try not to expose it to coronavirus if you can help it, but, right. um, that's, that's not what I'm saying is yeah. go, go try and get <laughs> sick, but, um, uh-huh. eat, eat a, eat a very diet because like I said, the, the gut is very much tied up in your immune system. And so, you know, give it lots of different foods and, and the metabolism, there's a lot of research on, um, different different immune cells use different fuels and the fuels that you feed your immune system can affect the way that it differentiates and activates or not mm-hmm. and now that's not something that you can necessarily know and control easily on a macro level other than just you know eat a eat a good balanced diet um and and exercise and get good sleep and and minimize your stress i would say as well because stress hormones turn down the immune system Oh, okay. Um, stress hormones are steroid hormones, and steroid hormones turn off the immune system. Um, so if you're stressed, you're not sleeping, you're not eating well, all those kinds of things, your your metabolism and gut are all out of whack, then your immune system's going to be having problems too because it interacts with all that kind of stuff. That's funny because usually um, if, I don't feel, if I don't feel stressed, but if I get canker sores, then I know I'm probably stressed and lack, and lack of sleep. That's usually like one signal for me is that I get canker sores when I'm overly stressed or mm-hmm. um, lack of sleep kind of there. So that's that's yeah. interesting that stress can really you know, wear down your immune system. I mean, it, you know, it's stressful for people it, um, to, to tell them not to stress out when there's stuff to be stressed about. Right. You know? <laughs> just don't be stressed. <laughs> just don't that's be stressed. Easy, right? like... It doesn't matter if you lost your job and you can't afford rent. Just don't be stressed. Okay. Um, so but, you know, if if you can, you know, find some outlet, a little exercise, walk, go outside, yeah, mm-hmm. get some sun. Sun makes vitamin D, and yeah, I mean it's good for you, right? Like I don't know if that's not the miracle cure for your immune system. Like just do this and you're solved. I'm not gonna market anything, but it's it's that balance. That's what you hear, though. You know, people are like, yeah, yeah it's, you just it's take all just marketing. Just take this vitamin D supplement, and everything else is fine. You know, yeah, that's and so fine if you're vitamin D deficient. Right. And so like my, and so, you know, my wife, Holly, she, we took her to, uh, you know, the doctor and she's like, did some lab work and she's like, you're right, you're low in vitamin D. But that was like, sure. lab, that was lab work, you know? And they gave right. her like this huge gigantic vitamin D pill to take for like, you know, four or five months. Um, and then, you know, that wasn't the only thing, right? She had to do other things as well. But, um, unless you, you know, actually talk to the doctor, you don't, I guess, necessarily know where your vitamin D level is at. Right, which is why I'm saying a lot of that's just marketing because they don't know either. They're just throwing it out there. So that's why I'm saying just just get a you know a balance. Strive for balance in your diet, in your life, in your mm-hmm. stress, and all those kinds of things. 
And, you know, without knowing anything specific about anyone, that's the best just general thing you can do to just maintain a good immune system. Right. Yeah. I mean, because some, sometimes I only have time for like a 10 minute workout. Other times I have time for a 30 minute workout. I'm sure other people have time for a two hour workout, you know? Yeah. So I guess and it is what it is, right? Yeah. You just do the best you can. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess on the, on the flip side, are there, are any, are there any things, um, that would hurt your immune system instantly other than, I guess we talked about stress for a little bit and, yeah. and, and sleep, of course, you know, what's, what's the current, you know, recommended sleep? Is it six to eight hours still? Uh, as far as I'm aware. I mean, they haven't changed on that in a long time, right? Yeah. I feel like I they've mean, always been I like think... six to eight hours. I think the the ideal is to just get as much just kind of natural sleep as you can to just you know allow your rhythm to to set mm-hmm. the hours for you. If you're you know tired through the day and falling asleep, that's a good sign. You probably need more sleep, right? Right. Yeah, that makes sense. And like for me, so I like I work at um, at five a.m. So I usually have to wake up at four. So I try to I try to get to bed by at least by ten o'clock, and I, I seem right. to be fine with that. Yeah, that's about six hours. Just like everything else, everyone's different. I think you just have to listen to your body. Yeah. You know. Okay. Okay. Now let's talk about COVID. Let's talk about COVID. So you're hearing right now a lot, especially around Utah, because on April 1st, every every adult is going to be available to get the the vaccine. Excellent. Everyone is worried about side effects. Naturally. So um, this vaccine is different from like the flu vaccine, correct? Yes. So can you explain, you know, for your best of knowledge, what is different about this vaccine compared to the, the flu vaccine? Um, yeah, so this vaccine is, um, is called, well, so there's, there's a few vaccines out now, but the ones that uh, right, so we're starting with. Let's talk about Pfizer, for example. Yeah, so the Pfizer and Moderna uh, are very similar. And uh, what they are is an mRNA vaccine. Mm -hmm. And this is pretty novel. Um, I mean, it's been in development. It's not like they just created it uh, with with COVID. It's it's a type of vaccine that they've been looking at for a little while. But it's, uh, to my knowledge, the first vaccine that... uh, is 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 marketed and approved as an mRNA vaccine. So they've been researched before um, and de- and they've been developing them for a while, but they haven't. Oh, okay. Because so, yeah, sometimes you hear on the news and stuff that you know they made up this vaccine type for COVID specifically, but you're saying it's something that's been researched for a while, but it hasn't been approved yet. Right. So it's been about a, a, at least a decade, I think. In fact, I was reading a review article about. Uh, I feel like it's a good chunk of time mRNA vaccines that came out five years ago or so. And so scientists have, have had this idea for a vaccine for a while, and they've been developing them and trying to figure out mm-hmm. all the technical things of how to make them work. They've been testing them in animals. Um, and this presented a really great opportunity because one of the advantages of this style of vaccine is that it's very, you can develop it very quickly. Okay. Which is why these are the first to hit the market. Whereas the Johnson vaccine is based on a viral vector, um, and it takes a little bit more time to develop and, and work okay. and put out and everything. If that makes sense. So does that mean the Johnson Johnson one they took 
a part of the coronavirus or the COVID-19, whatever piece mm-hmm. and, and got it from there? Yeah. So, so with the Johnson one, yeah. um, my understanding is that, uh, they took the, um, sorry, I'm, uh, so they took the uh, spike protein of the coronavirus, mm-hmm. which we'll talk about because that's also th- so um, this is what the mRNA vaccine targets as well. So let's talk about the spike protein for okay. just a moment. Yeah. The spike protein is uh, a protein that the virus expresses and it puts it on its uh, on its capsid. So the outside of the virus. Yeah. And that is the protein that recognizes your cells and allows the virus to enter your cells. Mm -hmm. Uh, So the goal of a vaccine against the coronavirus, they're all taking the same essential strategy, which is they want your immune system to develop antibodies against that spike protein. Because if your antibody recognizes that spike protein, it can no longer function to allow entrance into your cells and you stop the infection. Oh, okay. So the Johnson vaccine took um, the the code, the um, the DNA for that spike protein, mm-hmm. and put it inside another essentially harmless virus, um, which is the adenovirus. Normally causes very mild colds, if anything, if even that in humans. And they modified this adenovirus so it can't replicate. So it's it can't replicate. It can't continue and make an infection in you. It doesn't express any of the other things that coronavirus does, mm-hmm. except this one protein that allows your immune system then to see that protein, recognize it, build antibodies against it. Well, that's so when crazy. the real thing comes along, um, you're ready for it, and it can neutralize it before it can cause a serious infection. Wow, that's crazy that, that they can do that. <laughs> and they've done it all in less than a year. Yeah. Um, like I said, these things... Um, have been in development. Um, they actually based that one off of the vaccine that they developed against Ebola. Uses the same strategy. Oh, and that one's really good, huh? That one's worked well. Yeah. And it's got a really good safety profile, and it's been in use for a little while. So they have a little more, quote-unquote, long-term data on that. Okay, gotcha. These Pfizer and Moderna vaccines are mRNA vaccines. So to remind um, us all of some basic biology. Yeah. RNA is the go-between from DNA to protein. We all know we have DNA. Yeah. Proteins are what actually do most of the function in our cells. You know what's funny, uh, Preston, is that hmm? um, there's a kid show called Storybots, and they talk about the immune system, and I'm just visualizing that entire episode because <laughs> <laughs> they actually do a pretty good job with it. And so I just see these little cartoon things being pulled into DNA. And then there's the big cinder block thing making it into a protein. There's, there's this little guy who just talks to you. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, no, perfect. Um, I love this, love little animations like that, little cartoons and things. Um, yeah. So, yeah, the, the, the protein is what actually does all the work in all of our cells. Mm-hmm. And the DNA has the code for the proteins. Um, but to turn, to kind of be the... the the RNA is kind of the go-between. Yeah. So your cell copies the DNA into a piece of RNA, and then it feeds that into something called a ribosome that reads the um, 
RNA and, and translates it into a protein, right. turns it into a protein. Yeah, okay. So these mRNA vaccines have taken the mRNA that codes for the spike protein. Mm-hmm. And they've packaged it inside a little lipid nanoparticle. And that's what the vaccine is. And so what happens is they they give it to um, you, they inject it, and your the lipid nanoparticle allows that RNA to enter into your cells. And okay. um, and and that's um, it's important that it's packaged that way because normally RNA just floating around is one really unstable, and two. Um, that's a sign that um, something is wrong with your cells or that they're infected or something that normally um, just gets degraded and cleaned up and, and the, your immune system sees that as a sign of a viral infection. Mm-hmm. Um, but you want this, this RNA to get into your cells first. And so it gets into your cells and then your cells translate that spike protein. The positive one. The one, the one that they're manufactured, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's got the same sequence um, as the actual virus spike protein. Okay. And so your cells, it basically allows your cells to temporarily just express the spike protein. And your cells will degrade it, and they'll put it out there for your T cells to see and say, hey, I've got this antigen. It's not me. This is different. This is foreign. Come recognize this and be activated against this and so t cells and b cells and other things that recognize that will um then be activated Hmm. um and begin to so your b cells are going to be able to then produce antibodies against it and your t cells are going to be able to recognize any cells that have been infected with a virus expressing that protein and and kill that cell so just to recap real quick the mRNA. Sorry, that was a lot of information. So no, yeah. you're good. Let's I was just trying to make it. I always think of the office when he's like when he's Michael asked to be talked to as if he's a five year old, um, not quite five year old. You know, we have some adults who listen. <laughs> um, so the mRNA creates then its own coding or the same code as the coronavirus protein. Yep. But it's not the actual coronavirus. No, it doesn't have an ounce of coronavirus. So in it basically it. makes a dummy coronavirus protein protein, but not coronavirus and the protein that's critical for coronavirus to enter your cells and the protein that uh, that lets it enter enter cells so it makes a dummy version of that but your immune system still reacts to it yes okay because it gets put directly into your cells that way Mm -hmm. your immune system sees it as if um that cell kind of has been infected with that protein and it'll go, hey, that's not right. And so it'll get activated against it. So it's like you're, it's basically your body's fighting a battle. It hasn't even fought yet, but it's ready to go. And the battle is already in control because there's never any actual coronavirus there. Wow. So you've stolen all of your enemy's secret technology, prepared weapons against it, and your enemy hasn't even shown up yet. Yeah, you have. <laughs> and so as soon as that coronavirus shows up, it's gone. Yeah. Um, because the cells, you already have antibodies that target it. You already have cells that recognize it. Um, and it's and, and it's demonstrated because it's incredibly effective. Jeez, um, that's so smart. The, the data is is incredibly encouraging. All right, because the numbers for the effective percentages are, like, just amazing. Yeah, um, 
more than more than 95% effective, um, completely stops severe infection. So it's possible that people might still get a very mild infection. You know, maybe you get a exposed to a strong dose and it, it you know, um, mm-hmm. it'll still get into you and it, it might still begin to replicate, but your immune system's just going to be able to clear it out. One of the important things to know is that these T cells and B cells normally take um, about two weeks to become fully activated. Oh, wow. So when you get exposed to coronavirus, you've got two weeks where you're playing catch up and that virus is just going. Oh, okay. And the vaccine prevents that, right? You're already caught up and so you're starting ahead. Yeah. Um, Jeez Louise, that's awesome. That's what prevents all that severe disease and... Um, and I think they're still gathering data on how well a vaccinated person, um, or the vaccine limits spread, because in theory, some could be vaccinated and still just be, you know, um, right. Hence why they still need to wear masks and stuff. Very transiently infectious. Yeah. Um, Yeah. yeah, As their system cleans it out. And I, I don't think they have a lot of data on that yet. I think that's something they're still interested in. It's part of why they encourage people after they're vaccinated to continue to wear masks because they still don't understand or know yet um, really well how well it curbs the ability to spread it, but they know it does stop severe disease in its tracks. It right. just knocks it down completely. Yeah, because my father-in-law and my mother-in-law, they're both vaccinated, which is awesome. So Yeah, yeah. Um, I was I was fortunate to get the Moderna vaccine because I'm, ex- I'm associated with the hospital. Right. Um, and yeah, um, both my parents have... One one got the Johnson and one got I think Pfizer and so. Gotcha. Well, the Johnson you just one that, and done. So, so. Um, looking forward to it being available to everyone. Yeah, for sure. Okay, I think it wraps so, up, wraps up all my questions I have for today. So. Yeah. Um. I I don't know if you 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 know asked about kind of the side effects. I don't know if I can give you the exact mechanism, but I can tell you that the um they happen at about a five percent rate. So. Right, and that, that's basically just your immune system working, right? Yeah, it gets yeah when you when your immune system gets turned on, um, and then that um, you know you naturally get a little all, all those symptoms you normally have your fever and your aches and all that yeah are usually caused by your immune system more than the actual pathogen. Right. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, when you get the vaccine, it turns your immune system on a little bit. It's pretty normal to get you know maybe a, a mild fever, some aches, some fatigue, whatever. Yeah. Um, and and they've tended to be pretty transient, a um, couple of days, and right. And it's been good. So the other, uh, if, I, if I, I don't know how much time we have in your listeners, but just the other really cool thing about these mRNA vaccines is you hear about the um, the variants coming out that everyone is worried about. Oh yeah, but this one's um, good for all of them, right? It's the initial data is very encouraging on that, but even because of the way these are designed, we can produce RNA very quickly. Um, and so now that we know this works, um, if a variant comes along that uh, that it, the current vaccine is not effective against, all we have to do is get the new sequence for the new spike protein. Yeah in that variant which we could do in a day and just like that we know the new sequence and we can put it into a new vaccine yeah that's so cool and it's and it's and it's ready to go i mean now the distribution and production that's a separate issue and all that but in terms of the science of being able to adapt the vaccine with the virus it's almost instantaneous uh, because of the technology that it's based on 
Yeah, that's just incredible that we can do that. Yeah, it's really cool. Man, so science I think is we'll cool. We'll be seeing a lot more of these uh, mRNA vaccines going forward. This has been a, a huge success for them. Right, because technically they could probably do it with the flu vaccine too, right? They could do it with any vaccine. Yeah, they, so part of it is just finding the right target um, that works because every virus is different. Yeah. Um, this virus has a very obvious mode of infection, a very obvious target that way. Mm-hmm. Um, the flu vaccine is the flu is a little bit more complex um, of a virus. Right. Um, the current vaccines are inactivated versions of the virus, I believe. Right, yeah. Um, and so it's a, it's a little bit different. Um, but in theory, yeah, they could find a good target. Um, it would not be hard to. Obviously, they have to test it, develop it, and make sure their target is good and all that kind of stuff. But um, it's, it's a really cool technology that I think we'll be seeing more of in to different uh, viruses and targets and things. Right. I mean, 2020 was pretty horrid of a year, if you know, <laughs> if you sum it up, and most people would probably say so. Um, but there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of silver linings when people were forced to come together and figure stuff out, you know? Yeah, we certainly learned a lot. Yeah. Um, and it's, we've learned a lot about infectious disease. It's the first time in human history we've had the technology to track um, a new virus moving through the human population like this. And yeah. I think we've learned a lot about uh, infectious disease through it. Yeah, especially in the beginning, people were hooked on the numbers. They would yeah. hop on the John Hopkins map and yeah. just look at all the numbers. Yeah. I mean, I, I, uh, I did the same thing, you know? Yeah, I was doing it. Yeah, it yeah. was fun. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't fun, but it was, you know. Well, it's almost, it's almost, if it's, it's, you say fun. I agree. It's fun because it seems almost, almost game like for some reason. Right. Which there's some kind of competition or, I don't know, some innate human nature things going on there. So that's for sure. (laughs) So, yeah, it's been, uh, it's been a banner year for, uh, for learning. I'll say that. Yes. I think I, it's so hilarious that it was 2020 because hindsight is 2020. Uh, That's saying it's, it's, it's the perfect year. And, you know, we almost, we almost almost could have predicted this because of, um, of the, of the phrase itself, hindsight's 2020. (laughs) You're right, in hindsight, could have predicted this. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? It's so hilarious. I mean, the irony is just, it's so thick. <laughs> oh, okay. I appreciate that. Awesome. Well, I think that's all the time we got. Um, thanks for calling in, Preston. Hey, I appreciate thanks for having it. me on. I appreciate it. It was fun. Making time. Um, yeah, so um, thanks for everyone for tuning in. If you have any questions, you can send them my way, or you can follow me on Twitter at kbrentmarshall. Um, if you have any more questions for Dr. Dr. Arnold, um, <laughs> you can send him my way and I can, I can see what I can do, but you know, he's a doctor, doctor in training, so we we can only get so far. <laughs> okay. Thanks, Preston. Hey, thanks, Kyle. Send, send any questions you get my way. I'd be happy to give my best answer. All right. right, will do.